I appreciate the opportunity to be with you, either online or in the building, uh, to worship God together, to say together that we believe, uh, that we believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we believe that God is alive and well and at work in our world, and that that changes things, that changes things in us and how we live, and that we can gather together to celebrate that, to claim that, and to grow and learn in that. Which is why we're doing this series of sermons um, for the month of August that we've called the games that people play. So if you've been here for the last couple of weeks or you were with us online or you've watched or listened, you know that we started out with a game called Race to the Treasure, which is a cooperative game, which was a new kind of game for me to learn about where you work together to win the game. You don't compete against each other. But how that's indicative of the kingdom of God, that as parts of the body of Christ together, that we work together on this journey towards the goal, towards the treasure, towards God's kingdom. And then last week, my son Aaron was in here, and he played a little bit of Minecraft for us up on the screen. You remember that computer game? Or uh, now you can play it on any number of platforms, but it's the most popular video game in history. And uh, it's what they call a sandbox game that you can play in this sort of creative mode. And we consider together what it looks like when Jesus tells his disciples that we'll do the great things that Jesus has done and even greater things that in a sense Jesus has turned us loose to be creative in this sandbox that is the kingdom of God to do those good things. And now this week we're going to turn our attention to another game and I've got it set up up here. It's the game of chess. Any chess players out there in the room? Yeah. And online, you can raise your hand, even if you're sitting in your living room, that's fine. Um, we, we cheer for sports teams from our living room, we can, uh, we can raise our hands. It's, it's an interesting game, Chess. I, even when I brought it up with our staff about, you know, that this was going to be the subject for the sermon, people brought up ideas or thoughts or memories they had about chess or places they've seen it played, you know, Wizarding Chess from Harry Potter, if you're a Harry Potter fan, or um, 3D Chess, if you ever watched Star Trek, or the hologram chess in Star Wars. And if you've been binging any shows during the pandemic, maybe you watched The Queen's Gambit on Netflix that was all about a chess player and the game of chess. But I thought about chess a little bit differently during my uh, doctoral studies because we spent some time in our cohort just a, a refresher. My, my studies were in semiotics, which is reading the signs of the times and understanding what to do with them and then particularly what that means for the church and for faith as we go forward into the future and so we spent some time in my uh, cohort in our doctoral studies talking about AI artificial intelligence and the impact that that has and is having and will have on our world on our culture and even on the church and so in the course of that uh, conversation and some of the books we read, we read about how computers have learned to beat people in chess. Are you familiar with the story of uh, IBM building this supercomputer they called Big Blue to uh, take on the, the grand master, the, the, the highest ranked you know, undisputed champion in chess, Gary Kasparov. Do you remember when that happened and when that made news that, that this human being sat down to play chess against this computer? 
and that the computer, Big Blue, beat the grandmaster of chess. Does anybody remember that? Do you know what year that was, by any chance? I mean, I do. I've been preparing for this morning, but I was just curious if you knew. Anybody want to take a guess what year that was? 97. 1997. 24 years ago that this computer beat this guy in chess. Now, it was interesting for me and in our studies as we talked about artificial intelligence, not only because of that event, but what has happened since then. And, and yes, they taught that computer basically how to play chess. They programmed that computer, that supercomputer, uh, with all of these historical chess games, which is, way, which is a way that chess players learn to play chess. They study games. They study old games and moves and strategies. And they basically programmed the supercomputer with all of that history so that it could process all of that in real time and be able to play and win a game of chess. But where this got really interesting for me, and I hope you're still with me, I'm sorry, just nerd out with me for a second. Where this got really interesting for me in our studies is the advances that we've made in computer technology, and particularly in artificial intelligence, is no longer do we program a computer with all of the historical chess moves and games so that it can process them. What has happened now, and particularly Google has done this with artificial intelligence and a, a, a supercomputer or artificial intelligence they created called AlphaGo, is they, they just taught it to the rules of the game, and it taught itself how to play. So there was no more human programming of the computer, all of the history of chess and the games that have been played and the grandmasters' approaches and styles and techniques, openings in the middle game and the closing. They just told it the rules, and it taught itself how to play. And in, and in fact, this, this artificial intelligence, AlphaGo, taught itself how to play chess in four hours and is able to beat any other person, any other computer, any other artificial intelligence without fail. And has dominated not only the game of chess, but also the game Go, which is an ancient oriental game of the little white and black circles that you can lay on a board which is supposed to be infinitely more difficult than even the game of chess, and, and yet already this AlphaGo can beat the best human player in Go. And the reason we were talking about that in my doctoral studies was not just because it's, it's incredible to think about and to think about the implications in our world of artificial intelligence that can teach itself to think and teach itself to learn. But what are the implications on that for the church? When, when you have, I mean, I mean, I'm not kidding here, because they already have computers that are writing jokes and writing stories. What do you do when you get to the place where a computer can write a sermon? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> or can write and create music and artificially generate the sounds. And, and our conversation went to well, there's still something about church. There's something about our faith that's not so scripted. That there's a human element to it. And we started to name things like love and compassion and empathy. 
relationship, you know, those relational things that you can't really get from a computer. And, and so I think there's a lesson for us to learn in our faith from the game of chess. And I, I just couldn't help but play with this question. I wonder how Jesus would play chess. And, um, and I, I think there's a scripture that invites us to consider that. And I want to read it for us this morning. It's from Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 16 through 20. And we're going to put it up on the screen so you can follow along as I read out loud. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And this is what he says. Look, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves. Therefore, be wise as snakes and innocent as doves. Watch out for people because they will hand you over to councils and they will beat you in their synagogues. They will haul you in front of governors and even kings because of me so that you may give your testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Whenever they hand you over, don't worry about how to speak or what you will say because what you can say will be given to you at that moment. You aren't doing the talking, but the Spirit of my Father is doing the talking through you. And yes, this passage of Scripture connects with the game of chess for me. And we got to understand, this is a moment when Jesus is talking to his disciples, when he is commissioning them and sending them out into the world to carry out his ministry. It actually says just earlier in that chapter that Jesus called the disciples together and sent them out to go and heal and to rid people and places of the demonic. In a sense, Jesus is handing them his ministry to go and do, to carry out in part the message of the gospel. A message of healing and wholeness around which the church has been built. Oh, that the church would be a place of healing and wholeness and belonging for all of God's people. And that's the commission that Jesus gave his disciples to go and carry out with them into the towns and villages around them. And he told them, as they go, watch out, because you will be like sheep among wolves. This is very basic, but what would that mean to you, to be sheep among wolves? To me, it means they would be in danger, in harm's way. Jesus told his disciples that as he sent them out with this commission to carry out his ministry, that it's going to be dangerous. That in fact, when anyone, when a follower of Jesus carries the calling of Christ, to spread the message of healing and wholeness in the world, that's going to come with consequences. And it makes me wonder, to what extent have we domesticated the gospel? Sanitized it, comfortized it. When we hear Jesus tell his followers 
that when we take his message out into the world, we're going to be in danger. And he goes on to tell them that that danger is going to come in the place and in the form of those in power. Social and religious power. That they'll be called before the councils and the synagogues, called to task, challenged and beaten. by those who control the purse strings and the podiums. He's warning them, warning us, that as you carry that message of the gospel, of healing and wholeness and belonging for all of God's children, as you carry that into your life and into your world, that it is going to challenge the very power dynamics and structures of control that exist in the world and in our lives and in our communities and even in our churches. And when that kind of challenge comes, when the radical, revolutionary love of Jesus hits town and shakes things up, The people who are used to running things are not simply going to hand over the keys to the kingdom. Jesus said, so there will come a time when you'll be called on to speak. To speak up and explain yourself and what you're doing and why. Now granted, we don't have many public hearings and councils and forums today, maybe like was a custom in the day that Jesus was talking. We do have some in our community, in our church. Lord knows social media has sort of become that public forum. I'm about done with some of it. Like, you can't say or share anything on there without the wolves. (laughs) Attacking. I, I, I think it's, I think there's some wolves that just live there and lie in wait. I mean, I don't know if Facebook, Twitter, doesn't matter. Thank goodness, though, the sheep have the good shepherd who said to them and says to us, then be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Now that is some powerful counsel for how a follower of Jesus can live and exist in the world and even in the church. I don't know what images come to mind for you when Jesus says serpent. I I thought about the serpent in the garden. Cunning and smart. Who knew about the relationship and the dynamic and the conversation between Adam and Eve and God. Or back to the wizarding chess. I don't know when you hear serpent, do you think Nagini, the <laughs> Voldemort's snake that was the eyes and ears of Voldemort all over the world essentially and could see and know and report back all that was happening? 
And Jesus tells his disciples, be wise as the serpent. Be smart. Be shrewd. Be aware. Even cunning. And the dynamics and the systems at play. And yet, if that's all there is to it, to be wise and shrewd and cunning, I think we run the risk of slipping over into using that wisdom and that awareness and that shrewdness and that cunning to get whatever we want done or accomplished. We run the risk of slipping into maybe even things like manipulation or deceit or guile, working behind the scenes to make things happen the way we want them to happen. So I think, I think we got to be careful when we dance so closely with Dale Carnegie that you know, we're winning friends and influencing people. But what's underneath and behind that? To what end? It's why Jesus said, be wise as a serpent and be innocent as the dove. Like the dove that carried out the olive branch from the ark just to find the dry land to find the hope and the promise and the peace of the future or the dove of the holy spirit of god that descended on jesus in his baptism and claimed jesus as a child of god said this is the one in whom i believe and i love and with whom i am pleased jesus calls to mind this image of the dove and says be as innocent as pure as the dove And your motivation and your methods. You can be wise as a serpent and not act like a snake. I, I appreciate so much the words of E. Stanley Jones. He said, The soul grows fastest when it has learned to give back love for hate and light for darkness you become what you give back and so Jesus said to his followers there will be moments there will be times there will be seasons when you carry out this message of the gospel that you will have to endure challenges attacks you'll be called to speak up and to explain yourself and he said in those moments Living with wisdom and understanding and purity of heart. He said, in those moments, don't worry about what you will say because the words will be given to you by our Father's Spirit. The Holy Spirit will speak to you and through you. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And I think about what I've been learning about artificial intelligence and chess and how a computer can win the game of chess over and over and over and over again, can understand every move, can think it through 
without fail, without error, can win. But I wonder, is that how Jesus would play chess? Is the goal to win? Is the goal to be as wise as the serpent in order to win and take every advantage to organize and orchestrate everything so that the outcome is exactly what I want? Or is there a human element or aspect to, even to the game of chess that what matters more than winning is being at the board together? I played chess with my dad growing up. I played chess with my favorite teacher in school growing up. And my memories aren't so much about necessarily the games and who won. But it was at the time that we spent at the board together. I've even been told recently that it's, it's helpful if you want to teach a child how to play a game and, and pique their interest in it and want them to develop it, that, that you need to let them win occasionally. I've, I've seen research that says about 30% of the time, if you win at a game about 30% of the time, at least as you're learning it, that, that you will want to continue to play, to, to play it more often, to learn it, and it'll be become something you can gain an interest in rather than if you get beat every time. And I just wonder what it looks like if Jesus sits at the chessboard or if we all sit at the board of life together, of the church and of our world, and we have that both that wisdom of the serpent and the innocence of the dove. That there's, a, there's a human aspect and element to this game. It's not all just mechanized and computerized but but there's also something holy and something spiritual to this game of life that we play that it's not all about winning it but it's about the fruit of the spirit being born out in us in our lives and among us together Which is why even in the midst of this pandemic, we're trying to figure out how to to carry out this message of the gospel, this message of healing and wholeness into our world when we can't do things the way we're accustomed to doing them. We're worshiping with people online and with people in the room. we're, We're wearing our masks when we're together in close proximity for any extended period of time together. We're getting the vaccine. All of it as a way to carry out this compassionate ministry of Christ in our world. I I just think about how would Jesus play the game of chess? Wise as a serpent, innocent as a dove, and what that looks like for you and me to live out this calling of the kingdom of God in our lives, in our church, and in our world. You know, we had intended to celebrate communion together today, and we made a last-minute decision just out of an abundance of caution to, to not do that this morning. We will, do, we will share in communion again soon, I'm sure. Um, I pray. But in the place of it, I want to ask if we could take a moment of prayer to commune together. And so I just want to invite you to pray in the room or online, wherever you are. And as we pray, the... Musicians are going to come back up and they'll lead us in another song in just a minute. In a moment of reflection and communion.
that we commune with one another, with God. Our world is in desperate need of the fruit of God's Spirit. To name them again, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Oh, that the Spirit of God would fill you and me and us overflowing with this fruit so it is we receive and carry this calling oh god as you have called us to be your church to be your people in the world to be a place and a people of healing and wholeness and belonging and as you have commissioned us to carry that word out into our world to bring that word in here with one another that as we go with that revolutionary calling oh God it is our prayer that we would go in wisdom and understanding awareness and that we would go in purity of heart motive and method so that your kingdom would come yes even right now oh God that your kingdom would come in us among us and through us to the ends of the earth. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.